You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Well, I've been talking about wisdom. I'm going to ask you to go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Um, we've been talking about wisdom a lot, and, and I've been teaching on really on faith, the uh, believing in God on, uh, on Sunday, and wisdom on Wednesday. And man, when you get, when you get a hold of faith and wisdom, there's, when you combine the, the two, the wisdom of God and faith in God, man, look out. Your life will just explode. It will take off. Because uh, about 90% of the time, if we use God's wisdom and just to, and have faith, trust in His wisdom, man, we can avoid a lot of issues, but we can't avoid them all. And we can't, we're never going to live a life where we're not faced with circumstances or situations that uh, we've done all we know to do and now it's God's got to move. And so that's why we need our faith. That's why we need to trust God, because we're going to be in circumstances and situations that we've used all the wisdom we can, we've done all we know to do, we've, we've prayed all we can pray, and then it just comes down to really trusting God to come through. And I'm going to talk about that tonight, uh, just about how incredible God is, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, wisdom is the most valuable commodity. It's the most valuable God's wisdom is the most valuable thing on the planet. And so that's what he's saying. And so if it's the most valuable, golly, this is what's crazy. The most valuable thing on the planet is free. I'm telling you, if I had a bucket of diamonds, and I called all of you and said, hey, Monday at 10 a.m., I'm passing out handfuls of diamonds. Flawless, three-carat diamonds. All of them are three-carat. All of them are flawless, beautiful diamonds. And I'm giving everybody shows up a handful. I'm telling you guys, be lined up. You'd be, you'd be like, I'm camping out. Man, I'm going to give me a handful of diamonds. But something more valuable God has. He has something more valuable. His wisdom. It's more valuable than diamonds. It's more valuable than anything on the planet. More valuable than anything on the planet. And he says, get it, buy it. He said, revelation knowledge is what you need. And that's what his wisdom is. It's revelation knowledge. It's knowledge and understanding combined that you get how, how God thinks, his ways, how he approaches relationships, how he approaches finances, how he approaches jobs, how he approaches children, how he approaches life. When you get his wisdom, you're getting revelation knowledge, light bulb moment knowledge on how to handle situations, circumstances how to deal with this and navigate waters through this fallen world. He gave us his wisdom and gave us his word and gave us his spirit so he could help us navigate the waters through an evil fallen world. Can I say something? The evil fallen part's not going to change until the second coming of Christ. So we're in it. But God said we're in it to win it. He said he's going to give us victory. But we're going to go through some stuff and have to navigate some waters. 
And that's why we need his wisdom. It says this in verse 8, wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. You know, there's some conditions on this. We have to desire it like it's the most valuable thing. And then we have to exalt God's wisdom in our life. Then it will exalt us. When we exalt his wisdom, what does it mean to exalt his wisdom? We apply it. We treat it as the most precious thing that we have. And we think of things like, uh, what do you want to do here? Well, let me pray. Let me see what God's word says. Let me make a phone call and find out from some Christian friends what they think. And what, the, and what the Word of God says, get some counsel. I'm going to seek godly counsel because I want to hear godly wisdom. I mean, that's, that's, that's when you're exalting, when, you, when you're making decisions not based on your own opinion or your ways. The Bible says don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own opinions. And if you'll, if you'll exalt God and trust in God and exalt His Word and His wisdom in your life, He said He'll guide every single decision and step you take. He wants, to, he wants to help us. But he, there's a condition on this. He's like, my wisdom is free. It's the most valuable thing in the universe. Let me, I give it, it's free. It's free, but you still have to show up. You still have to get it. You still have to make some effort. He said, wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honor and favor when you live your life by her insights. I've said this before, the reason God refers to wisdom, his wisdom as a female, is because women are smarter than men. No, that's not true. All the women said, amen, yeah, that's right. I knew it was true. That's not true, no, because uh, he's, he's, he's teaching us through that, that wisdom is like Eve. She was created to come beside Adam and be a helper. Be a helper, a counselor. And that, so he describes wisdom as in, in the feminine, in a female sense, because it's, 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 he's saying, he's describing it like wisdom comes alongside of you and helps you, counsels you. Then he says this, you will be adorned with beauty and grace. Adorned with beauty and grace. And wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you making you victorious in the race. Now, some of you might not realize, but the entire Bible is written in, written in poetry form. That's one of the things that makes it so incredible that it's every verse is written in one form or another of poetry. So that's why this rhymes. You will be adored with beauty and grace and wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you, making you a victorious, making you victorious in the race. What did I say earlier? God's in us and in our lives, and we're in Him because we're in it to win it in this fallen, evil world. We're not here to lose. We're here to win. What do we win? We win a relationship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We win the Holy Spirit living in us, through us, and out of us. We live a life worth living and giving away. We get eternal life when we go to heaven, and we make a difference in this life and other people's lives. Four things on how to get wisdom. We've recovered several of these. Number one, the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We know that knowledge and understanding are two parts of wisdom. Wisdom itself is the actual application 
applying the knowledge and understanding of God. It's putting it into action and actually doing it. Understanding and knowledge are the two parts that he wants us to gain from him and then apply his wisdom, the application. But you notice it says the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The more we get to know God, the more we get to know his ways, you know, the more, you know, when you get to know somebody, you just know them. You just get to know them. You know, I think, I think probably seven out of ten times I can predict what Julie's going to do. And probably nine and a half out of ten times she can predict me. Because all men know we are less complicated than women. We are much easier to predict most of the time. But, yeah, I mean, I, I know we say things at the same time. We said something at the same time the other night exactly the same way. She punched me and said, Dr. Pepper, you know. I was going to reach over and, like, pat her like, man, great minds think alike. And she punched me and said, Dr. Pepper. I'm like, here, I'm trying to be sweet. And you're punching me and saying, oh, you a Dr. Pepper. For you younger generation, I don't know if you guys did that, when you, the younger generation still does that or not, but when you say something, say, anyway, it's a little thing. But, you know, the fear of the Lord, respecting, reverencing, standing in awe of Almighty God, so much so in understanding what we've talked about for weeks, His presence is with us always. He sees, knows everything about you all the time, all at once, forever. And that we live in that presence of an almighty God. And we take him seriously at his word. Number two, we read and understand his word. Go with me to Hebrews 4.12. We read and understand his word. Man, oh man, oh man, you guys give it to get ready. I got some stuff coming in this message. Hebrews 4.12. Wow, 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 wow. It says this, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes, to whom we must render an account. He said his word is almighty, all-powerful. Woo, man, it's sharp. His word is sharp. And, and, it, it, and when we read it and we honor his word, it, it, you know, another translation of the verse says his, his word is alive and powerful. It, it brings his life into our life. It renews our minds with, with his word and his life, his power. And we know there's so much power in his word that he said, man, if you would believe and speak and trust that what you say will come to pass, everything you say will come to pass. Mark 11, look it up for yourself. Mark 11, read verse 20, uh, 20 21, 22, 23, and just see how powerful. We know life and death is in the power of the tongue. We know that. We know how powerful words are. And so when we put his word in our hearts and our minds and it comes out of our mouth, there's life and power coming. We're speaking life and power over our, we're speaking what God is speaking 
We're getting in agreement. We're not speaking what we want to speak. We're speaking what he's already spoken. And we're getting in agreement with God on our life and his power and his ability. We're just agreeing with him. That's how, that's the second way we walk in was Number three, in James chapter one. Oh, go with me to James chapter one. Just go back to your right. If you have an actual Bible, go to your right. If you have a phone, I don't know where you, what you do on a phone. James chapter one. He tells us, Several things about wisdom. He says this, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom. That's number three. You have to ask. You have to ask him. God, give me wisdom. He'll give it to you. He'll pour it out in bucket loads, man. That's what he says right here. But you have to ask him for the wisdom and believe that he'll give it to you. So number four is you have to ask in faith. He says, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. I love that about God. He's not a fault finder. But he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. I've seen him do that for me time and time again. Overwhelm my failures with his generous grace because I asked him to. I asked him for his wisdom. Then it says this, just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. So, number one, the fear of the Lord. Number two, we have to read and understand his word. We need to seek the knowledge of God. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. It doesn't say peruse. It doesn't say just kind of glance over. It doesn't say, well, I'm going to get my scripture in today. And, uh, man, I don't care really what it says. I'm just going to say I read it so I can check a box. No, it says to study it, to meditate on it. To take it seriously, it's the almighty word of God. Number three, ask for wisdom. Number four, ask him in faith. He said, when you, with, if you ask in confident faith without doubting that you will receive, for the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next, being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted, everybody say half-hearted. And wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? We've all either been or seen or both have been unstable, seen people that are unstable because their, their mind's wavering between can I trust God or can I not trust God? Will he help me in this situ situation or will he not help me? And he said, man, if you stay in that place, nothing good's going to come out of it. Nothing good is going to come out of that. Oh, man. We know another translation that verse says, you can expect to receive nothing from God when you're wavering. you got to pick. God's like, pick a side. He's like, pick a side. And he's like, please pick mine because I love you and I want to help you. And I am Almighty God and I know how to help you. He's like, pick a side. You have to pick a side in those situations. You have to pick a side in, in, in when you're in difficulties and there's things happening around you. Even when you just get up in the morning, even when it's a good day, you still have to pick a side. You have to pick a side. God said, pick my side and have a confident faith in me. Watch what I'll do for you. It'll be amazing. It will amaze you. I love this. A.W. Tozer, great man of God, said this, wisdom among uh, other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means 
So uh, wisdom, when you apply God's wisdom, you, man, you apply the, the, the perfect solution and get the best possible perfect results when you apply God's wisdom to circumstances and situations. I want you to see, I want you to see from a, from a certain perspective tonight, I want you to see how God operates. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. You know we're going to be in the Word tonight. Man, when I, when I, oh man. It's just got to get in the Word. I told the Lord today, I, you know, I, I knew something was going to happen tonight. I knew it was going to be good. I'm like, God, whatever you want to do, man, I'm in the flow. I'm ready to go. And, uh, uh, man, he said, preach my Word. That's what I want you to do. And I said, all right, that's exactly what I'm going to do. He said this in Ephesians 2.10. He said, what we have become is his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. That word poetry is also translated masterpiece. 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 So he says this about us. We have become his poetry, his masterpiece, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. He has given each person a destiny. He has given each person. He has already written a plan for your life. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Man, God has a purpose. And he was, he's turning your life into a masterpiece. You know, I think about tapestries and I think about perspective. You know, the other day, Julie and I were driving down Country Club and there was something laying on the side of the road. And we both saw it and we drove by it and I, I said, Man, did you see that? Or she said, did you see that? I said, yeah, I saw it. Uh, and I said, I, I first thought it was a tire. And she said, really? I first thought it was a deer. I mean, you're talking about perspective. See, guys, perspective matters. I mean, I just started laughing. I'm like, Wow. Man, our perspective of that thing was so different. You thought it was a, I thought it was a tire on the side of the road. She thought it was a deer laying on the side of the road. See, your perspective matters. And then I said, but when we got closer, I thought it was a box. And she said, so did I. Listen, man, when you're far away, your perspective is skewed. Further away you get, how many times you ever looked at something and thought, what is that in my house? Is that, is that a, oh, that's a, someone dropped a hair tie or something on the floor. You're like, whoo! And not a scorpion or a spider or something. You know, have you ever done, everybody's done that, right? I remember one time, Julie and I, I was about half asleep, and she, she has a real issue, man. Church, she has a real issue. She always wants to touch me with her cold feet. And so I'm half asleep, and she reaches over and touches my foot. And, man, I don't know why, but in my half asleep mind, I thought that was a mouse or something. And I jumped out of bed and threw the covers on. I'm like, there's a, ma there's a mouse in our bed. Where's it at? I'm going to kill it. And she started laughing. She said, I touched your, your foot with my feet. I said, let me look at your foot. Is that thing that hairy? Is there that much hair on your feet? 
perspective matters. <laughs> so the further away it is, the, the, your perspective, the closer you get to God, your perspective's not messed up. Then you get his perspective. You know, on the back of a great tapestry, if you look at the back of any great tapestry, something that's woven together, if you flip it over, it's full of knots, and it looks all jacked up. And a lot of times, that's what our circumstances look like, all jacked up. Like, God, there's a knot and a dent, and, a, and, a, and that's all messed up, and this ain't good, this is not. And we see it from that perspective, but God wants to see it from his perspective. He wants us to trust him that when it looks that way to us, that we trust his word and we know he's weaving a masterpiece. He's putting it together. Our life's going to be like poetry. It's all going to fit in the end. It's all going to rhyme like poetry. And he's going to flip it around and go, I told you so. I told you so. If you just trust me, if you just have faith in me, I've got a plan. What did he say? I've got a destiny for each one of you. I've got a purpose and a plan for each person ever created. He's got a plan. We just got to see it from his perspective. And we got to trust him that through all the junk that there's something beautiful coming on the other side of it. If, if we will trust the Lord. If we'll trust him when it doesn't look pretty and when it doesn't look beautiful. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Can I tell you something? God is not an amateur artist. People treat God like he's an amateur. Like he's not a professional artist. Like he's not, like he's not a great sculptor. You know, Julie and I went to Rome a couple years ago, and man, we saw one sculpture by Michelangelo. You know, a lot of it was, you know, just, you know, beautiful. But man, there was, there was the only anointing I ever sensed in Rome, the only anointing I sensed was a sculpture that Michelangelo did when he was young, he was really young in his 20s, and he's Mary holding Jesus at, at the bottom of the cross. And it wasn't because Mary was so anointed that it was beautiful. It was a mom holding her son. And it was, I'm telling you guys, it was anointed and beautiful. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. God's better than Michelangelo. He's not sculpting rock. He's sculpting human beings. Do you trust the master with the masterpiece? Man, I tell you, I'd let Michelangelo paint or sculpt anything, man. I saw so much of his work, his paintings. He painted the Sistine Chapel. He did, he did so much. It's beautiful. His, his ability is almost, it's like, that is just stinking amazing that a human being, he would go pick out this marble in a boulder, in a one rock, and sculpt the whole thing out of one big, giant, massive slab of marble, and he could see it. Our God is greater than him. He can see you, and he sees you, and he's sculpting. He's like, come on, work with me here. Let me, let me help you because I've got a masterpiece happening. In this fallen, even world, i still got a masterpiece. Put it up on the screen, Genesis. Oh, this is so good. Woo, man, God's word is so good. Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. What happened with Joseph, and some of us know the story, some of you might not. Joseph had the favor of his father, and he was a blessed young man, but his brothers were extremely jealous of him. And because of their jealousy, one day they beat him up, 
and we're going to kill him. And his oldest brother said, don't do it. There's a whole story behind that, his older brother stopping them from killing him. His older brother ended up being really blessed because of that. He said, but we're going to sell him into slavery. And they sold him into slavery. Now he's in his slave owner's house. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And this is what Joseph did. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. What did he do? He found favor and served. The reason that God was with Joseph is because when they did that to him, Joseph never gave up on God. He saw the knots and he saw the he saw his life like a like a broken rock that there's nothing good could come out of this. But when he when he saw that in his humanness, he turned to God and said, God, I trust you anyway. They beat me up. They sold me into slavery. They told my dad I was dead. So no one will come looking for me. Now I'm a slave in Egypt. But he found favor with God because he trusted God through the terrible moments of his life. And then, so it was from the time that he had made him oversee of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. For whose sake? Do you know that our nation is blessed for our sake? It's not blessed for unbelievers' sake. It's blessed for our sake. Our city's blessed for our sake. Do you know if you'll get in faith, your job will be blessed for your sake? God will prosper, your, whether they're an evil owner or bad owner, whoever they are, he'll prosper that place for your sake so he can promote you and bless you and care for you, just like he did Joseph. But you have to trust the Lord when it doesn't look good. He's serving a slave owner. But he, you know what he knew? You might think you're my owner, but I have another owner. His name is God Almighty, and he's greater than you. And I trust him in this horrible situation. That he's, he's weaving a tapestry. He's writing a poem. He's, he's putting this together. He's sculpting something. He's, he's the potter. He's not an amateur potter, an amateur sculptor. He's not Michelangelo. He's God Almighty. He's better than anything. He can form anything out of anything, out of nothing. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Next verse. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. We're about to skip to, to some other verses, and for time's sake, I don't know if I have time to read them, but um, so his, he was handsome. He was a handsome guy. He had the favor of the Lord and the anointing of God on him. He was prosperous, and old Potiphar's wife, his slave owner's wife, uh, takes, uh, is very attracted to Joseph and comes on to him. Joseph says, listen, I know he's a slave owner. I know he's a slave owner, but I will not dishonor my God, and I will not dishonor him, and I will not sleep with you. He said, my God, my God won't like it. He said, this is all ugly. This is, this is incredibly bad in my life, but you know, God's still prospering, blessing me, and taking care of me even in this tough situation, and I'm not going to dishonor him. And he knew it would come with a price. So she cries rape. She cries rape. And the slave owner throws Joseph in prison. Throws him in prison. Now you're talking about knotted up. You're talking about knotted up and looking ugly. 
You're talking about a rock that just looks like an ugly old rock before it's sculpted. Joseph's looking at ugly old rock, knotted up old tapestry, sorry looking stuff constantly. It's like every time he gets ahead, something else happens. You ever feel that way? Guess what? You're not the first person to ever feel that way. We know the rest of the story. He throws him in prison. So now he's a prisoner. He goes from a slave to a prisoner. Spends three, 10 years as a slave, three years as a prisoner, and then God delivers him. He ends up in prison ministering to two of the Pharaoh's leaders and tells one of them he's going to die. The other one's going to get reinstated. And the one that got reinstated forgot about Joseph. He was supposed to go tell Pharaoh about him. He didn't do it until they couldn't solve a dream that the Pharaoh had. And the guy finally said, I'm going to gain favor with Pharaoh because I know somebody can interpret dreams. He interpreted my dream in prison. But I didn't say anything because I'm not going to do anything for anybody but myself. But I, I think I can do something for myself here. But uh, I, he didn't know how this was going to turn out. But he had completely forgotten about Joseph. But now he remembered for his own benefit, told Pharaoh about Joseph. And they came got Joseph 13 years after being sold into slavery. And three years, 10 years of slavery, three years of prison. They came and get him, take him in. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And he's put in charge of all of Egypt in a moment. Now, some people might say, Joseph, you're an overnight sensation. He said, that was the longest 13-year night I've ever experienced as a slave in a prison. Yeah, it wasn't overnight. It was ugly upon ugly upon ugly, but Joseph trusted the Lord. At the end of it all, his brothers end up back in his life and his family, and, and he reveals himself to his brothers, and his brothers fall in repentance before him. And Joseph says to him, what you meant for evil, Listen, even, even stuff in this fallen evil world that has happened to you, that is happening to you, that is evil, it's wrong, it's unjust, it's unfair, it's all the things. It's ugly as can be in this fallen world. God has a way of even weaving that in and for your benefit, for his cause, for his purpose, and bringing you on top of that too. If he'll trust it, he'll, he'll even weave. He's like, you don't, you don't think he knows what Satan's trying to do? You don't think he knew they're going to sell him in a slave? You don't think he knew that that woman was going to accuse him of rape? You don't think he knows what's happening to you? You don't think he knows? He knows everything. We just read it. He knows everything. And he, he's, he's got to play. And so what Satan means for evil, he weaves into good. Satan hung Jesus on the cross, thought he won. What kind of crazy plan is that? I'm going to sin. I'm going to send my son. He's going to be brutally murdered on a cross, and I'm going to save everybody. That don't sound like a plan. But it is a plan when it comes from God. It's the best plan. It's the best possible plan. And it got the best possible results. That's what God's wisdom does when you trust it. When you trust his wisdom. When you trust him in the middle of the storm, he's, he's weaving. He's, he's sculpting away like, oh, yeah, that, the devil thinks he's got you. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just keep trusting me, the devil thinks he's got you. But in the end, I'm going to put you on display. In the end, you're going to be a masterpiece. And you'll fulfill my will if you trust me, if you'll stick with me and not give up on me. Even what was meant for evil, God will turn around for your good. Even what was meant for evil. 
Oh, my goodness. I got so much I want to share with you. Can you put Jeremiah 39, 32, 19 up on the screen for me? Oh, this is, this is awesome. You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of man, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. He not only says that in Jeremiah, he says that in Galatians. He said, God is not mocked. He said, don't you be deceived. Don't be deceived that God somehow is mocked. That somehow the evil that people have perpetrated to you, uh, 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 against you, is somehow they're getting away with it. When they look like they're getting away with it, they are not if you trust God. He said, don't be deceived by this evil world and think they're getting away with stuff. They're not. For whatsoever a man soweth, he shall reap. Whether for good or evil, you sow that, you're going to reap that. That's what's coming. That's what's happening. And God's eyes is on all of it. He sees it all. He knows it all. Put up Daniel chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. It says this, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives, he gives to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Otherwise, he said he's going to pour more and more of your, his wisdom, more and more of his knowledge and understanding on those that are already gaining it. You'll gain even more. Next verse. He reveals deep. Everybody say deep. deep. And secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Otherwise, God knows everything. All at once. And that his wisdom is so deep, we'll never fathom it. We'll never get to it. We can't understand it. We can't, we'll never discover the depth of his unbelievable, almighty, incredible wisdom. We'll never get it. So quit questioning his wisdom. Quit questioning God. Quit questioning him. Quit saying, God, why, oh, why? And say, God, what do I do? I ask you what to do here. I'll leave, I'll leave the why to you right now, God. If you want to tell me why, I'd like to know. But if you're not going to tell me why, I trust you. Tell me what to do. Tell me the next right thing. Tell me the next wisdom move. Now help me get through this. Help me overcome this. You promised me victory. You promised me that you'll make it a masterpiece. Help me, help me, help me. Tell me what to do. Woo, man. Psalms, go with me to Psalms 147. Verse 5, Psalms 147, verse 5. I'm, I'm taking you someplace. I haven't even gotten there yet. This is all, the, this is all the, the appetizer. How great is our God. There's absolutely nothing his power cannot accomplish. And he is infinite. Everybody say infinite. infinite. Understanding of everything. He has infinite, 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 infinite. It's, we're never going to discover all the understanding and wisdom and knowledge of God ever. 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 He sees everything. He knows everything. Oh, i got to share this last part with you. Go with me to Psalms. You're right there in Psalms, 1, Psalms 139. Psalms 139. i got to share this with you. you got to see this. This is the conclusion of the matter. This is where I've been trying to take you all night and this whole time. Psalms 139 verse 17 says this. Every single moment you are thinking of me. 
This is God to you. God to me. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly with your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more, everybody say more, than the grains of sand on every shore. Can I tell you something? In a cubic square of sand, there are a billion, billion granules. Cubic square. There are a billion, billion granules of sand. He just said, he thinks about you more than all the sand granules on the earth. A billion, billion in one cubic square. He thinks about you more than all of the, not in the cubic square, all. All of the sands on the earth, he's thinking about you. The question is never whether God is great, powerful, or awesome. It's whether or not we believe it. We believe that he's great, powerful, and awesome. That he is thinking about me that much. It blows my mind that the God of the universe is capable. We think AI is smart. Golly, AI is stupid, foolish compared to the immensity of our God. All the computers in the world would crash and burn and never reboot if you put the, all the grains in the sand thoughts of every human. There's eight billion human beings on the planet, and he's thinking about every single one of them more than the grain granules of sand on the entire earth at one time, all day, all year, every second. Every minute of the day. And then we don't trust him that he's got a plan? Oh, he's got a plan. Oh, he's got a plan. Oh, he's got, he has a plan. And he said it's a good plan, not to harm you, but to bless you. He's got a plan. Oh, he hadn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about me. He's got a plan. And even this evil fallen world and the junk that happens, he's weaving it together. He'll even use what the devil means for evil. He will use for good, and he'll turn it around for your life if you'll trust him to do it. If you'll trust him to do it. Oh, i got to tell you, in Luke 12, 7, we don't have time to turn there, but he says he, he counts every hair on your head. Let me, let me, he counts every hair on your head. The average person has 100,000 hairs on their head. We lose 50 to 100 every day. Every time you wash your hair, you lose 50 to 100. Just during the day, you lose 50 to 100. And then some grows back. I can't do the calculation on that, guys. I love Julie. I've never counted her hair. I love my children. I never. The only time I could count their hair is when they were all cue balls. When they were born, they had no hair. That was easy. Nada. Zero. They had zero. Zero hair. And so, but listen, he does count yours. Do you know why he says stuff like that? Do you know why he says outrageous things like that to us? Because he outrageously loves us and he wants us to know it. And he's trying to express it. He's trying to express love. I think about you more than all the sands on the earth. 
There's a billion, billion granules of sand in one cubic square. That's a, I think about you then more than all of the sand. More than the, all of it. And I've counted every hair on your head. And I know minute to minute, second to second, exactly how many hairs are on your head of 8 billion. 20 billion people have li lived on the earth. He knew every one of them. He knew every hair. He knew everything. He knows when every, every bird falls. He knows when everything happens. He knows it all at once. And he computes it. And he's not strained. He's not uh, confused. He doesn't know. There's never a moment he doesn't know what to do. There's never a calculation he can't calculate. There's never an issue problem or circumstance he does not know what's going to happen and he's got a plan for it and he's going to use it and weave it and he wants to make our lives a masterpiece in that plan Woo! our god is awesome and incredible and he loves you and his wisdom is infinite let's use it and let's trust him but through all the ups and downs, he's got a plan for us. And that he loves us through it all. Oh, every eye closed. Man, oh man, oh man. Oh, if you don't want to know this God, oh, how foolish that would be. Oh, I was so foolish when I rejected him time and time again. I was so foolish. You know, you can be brilliantly foolish. You can have so much knowledge and be so brilliant and still be a fool. Oh, a fool is the one who does not seek after the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God. Who wants to give it to us freely. Who loves us so much. Oh, He had a plan for you to be watching tonight. He had a plan for you to be here tonight. Now what are you going to do? Because he's a God of choice and he's going to let you choose. Choose him or Satan. There's no in-between. There's no gray areas. There's no other God but him. And there's no other devil that, than, than the devil himself. It's night and day. It's good and evil. It's a choice you'll make to follow one or the other. The reason that people who reject God end up in hell is because they've chosen a side. They've chosen to follow Satan. And they're, you're going to go where your leader goes. So our leader, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in heaven. We're going to heaven. If you choose to reject God and reject the Lord Jesus Christ and not surrender your life to him there is a billion other ways you think you're following something else whether it's another religion or another thought or your own thinking or you think you're brilliant or you think there's nothing or you have some false religion there's you can there's a billion ways to follow Satan and end up exactly where he and his demons are going but there's only one way to follow God he makes it real easy. It's not complicated. And that's when you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he surrendered his life to save you. He died for my sins and yours. Because he loves us. And he wants to save us. And give us a life, a destiny, a purpose. 
in this life. Give us a life forever in a place called heaven. It won't be boring, gang. It's going to be incredible. What a journey. What a journey. That you choose tonight. If you've never prayed and surrendered your life and said, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. God, I ask you to forgive me. I surrender to Jesus. If you've never prayed that, I want to pray with you right now, whether online or here. And maybe, maybe you have prayed it and you just you keep going back to lukewarm. You're just always in, you know, in and out, constantly wavering back and forth. Man, I think I want to party. Nah, I know I need Jesus. Oh, I think I'm gonna do this and come. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna quit reading my Bible and doing all that stuff because I'm gonna do this, that, and another thing. And you think that's gonna work for you. Oh, God's not a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance, but you can't continue to live lukewarm all the time. It will destroy you. Choose a side. Choose a side, and God says choose his side. Choose, he loves you. Satan hates you. God loves you. Choose a side. Blessing or cursing. Heaven or hell. Wisdom or foolishness. Faith or fear. Hope or hopelessness. Purpose and meaning. Or a wasted life. Choose a side. Selflessness in living or selfishness in dying, choose a side. And if tonight you say, I choose God's side, we want to pray with you right now. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three and ask you online to send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. In this room, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it is me. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to get right with God today. And then put that hand down. Then the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to pray. That's, that's the second thing, to pray. We're all going to pray together. So if that's you online, send a message on here. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm getting right with God tonight. Thank you. All over this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this room. God bless you. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's why Jesus died. He died for you. To save your life. Let's all pray now. Those online and those in this room, let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. You love me. And you sent Jesus. He died for my sins. His holy blood for my unholy blood. Thank you. You raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And I believe it. And because of that, I ask you, Father, to forgive me for all my sins. All the times I've disobeyed you, rejected you, hurt myself, and hurt others. And I receive a full pardon, your forgiveness, right now. And I say to you, Jesus, 
You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I surrender my whole life to you. And I ask you by your spirit that I receive right now. And by your word, you teach me how to trust you, how to serve you, and how to live out the destiny in the plan that you have for my life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Come on, let's praise Him. Woo! Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.